Visioneers and welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small businesses who not only survived the last recession but thrive from it. And our guest this week, well, this Tex-Mex Cafe is completely Jake. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Hello, Visioneers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest this week is Sarah Slayton-Price, the CEO of Jake's Tex-Mex. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And for those who, don't know, who do not know who you are, tell us who you are and what it is that you do. Well, I am, like you said, Sarah Slayton-Price. Uh, I am a second-generation owner of Jake's Tex-Mex Cafe. I took the business over from my dad, and I run day-to-day -day operations. For the, probably the one or two people in Kern County who don't know <laughs> who Jake's Tex-Mex is. Tell us a little bit about the restaurant and what is it that you serve? We are, we call ourselves Tex-Mex, but mm -hmm. we're really more cowboy grub. Okay. Um, a restaurant that was established in the 80s by my father. Mm -hmm. um, my brother's name is Jake. Okay, that's okay. what the name that's, of the restaurant That's comes the from. namesake. Okay. Um, and we're a fast casual. We like to think of ourselves as food theater. Okay. Uh, so you come in through the line. We are Chipotle before Chipotle existed. <laughs> Very good. This restaurant, like you said, has been around since the mid 80s. Yes. And yes. that in itself is a feat because most restaurants don't even last two years. Yeah, it's not the easiest business to be in, but the big deal is we try to focus on customer service and consistency and, and trying to be as conservative as we can with, uh, you know, the things thrown at us on a daily. <laughs> but don't dismiss the quality of the food. Yes, consistency, like I said. Right. I mean, we don't have a freezer. We never have. Nothing's ever frozen. Everything's made fresh every day. Um, nothing comes out of a bag. That's not who we are. So we do a few things and we try to do them as well as we can. Part of the restaurant business is, I know a lot of viewers are probably watching this and you've been waiting for me to interview a restaurateur here in the age of COVID. And so yes, here we are. But before we get into the current situation, mm -hmm. this restaurant has been around for a while. Yes. And this is not the first recession Jake's has been through. No. First of all, what have you learned, you personally, learned from going through past recessions that you're applying to this one? Um, well, I, I, first of all, I have to always take into account that I am second generation. So I grew up in this business and my dad is a brilliant man um, and I'm very lucky to have his guidance every day. Um, I, I, there's no way I would have survived all of this, especially COVID right now without <laughs> uh, his wisdom because there's nothing you can, you know, there's nothing that can beat experience. Right. Um, the biggest deal there has just been making sure that in order to run a, an efficient restaurant that nothing can be left to chance mm. and um, you really have to be present and on top of your numbers. I mean, the bottom line is percentages matter. Give us an example of being present with your business, especially in a recession. Well, I'm here every day. Okay. Um, I think that's a big one. I think sometimes people think, okay, I've started the business, I'm the owner, I'm going to do a few things, and then I'm stepping away because I've hired 
a few people to you know manage which I do I have awesome uh, staff and management um, they're absolutely wonderful and I trust them but it, there is a difference between being on premises every day being present a customer seeing your face mm. uh, your employees knowing that you are going to be here for them in case one of their decisions falls through and that really is what it's about I I'm here six days a week uh, and I do everything I can to make sure that we have a backbone what happens when you need to take a vacation well <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, I, you know, I tried to be better about balancing that later here. Now that I've I've run the company for over a decade, I think uh, you know balance comes into play. I I will admit I didn't have a lot of balance in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I still probably could employ a little more, but I do try to when I'm away from here to have moments of uh, clarity and um, focus on the things that matter, like family and my husband, and um, you know other creative outlets. This particular recession is a little bit different mm. because we're dealing with COVID mm. and restaurants are on the front line oh. of all this. I, I think, or I would guess that you have seen the health inspector more times this year alone than probably ever in the last decade. I, I have seen more of everything uh, in this last year. I, it has been um, an absolute challenge uh, and one that we have tried to tackle with as much positivity as we can. Right. Um, my, I would say there's a lot of adjusting that needs to happen. I mean, we've come up with every possible solution of serving to make sure that people feel safe. Right. And trying to manage that along with food costs, employee costs. Um, it's been a whole new, it's a whole new frontier. Especially in a situation where it seems like every week the rules keep changing. And you're not kidding. Every week I have a new rule. But one of the things, and part of the reason why Visioneer Nation were here in her office and not in the restaurant is for one of those innovations that you guys are employing as we speak. We're in the second floor of a building that's being completely renovated. So if you hear construction going on in the background, there's a good reason for it. Because there is. Because there is, exactly. <laughs> but that is part of the innovation that you guys are undertaking because of COVID. Tell us very briefly what's going on with this building and how is this taking Jake's Tex-Mex in a new direction? Well, there's a couple things. I mean, it really has a lot of points that have led us here. Um, first of all, we purchased the building quite a few years ago. I'd say three years ago, the opportunity to buy the building became available. And right. being as my number one complaint is parking, it seemed uh, natural for mm -hmm. us to purchase it. I shared my office with a walk-in refrigerator in the old <laughs> building. That sounds cool. Yes, it was. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because of that, I mean, it just we were out of space. Mm -hmm. And we've done as many creative things as we could to that building. So having the opportunity to expand a little bit over here just made sense. Right. Um, and I needed the storage. Um, so that's always lovely. Um, then as we sat down as a family, because we are a very involved family, um, you know, my brothers sit on the board. Um, we basically sat down and tried to brainstorm what we can do to make sure that this building doesn't go to waste, that it's profitable. Doesn't make sense to have more tenants in it because we're now we're sharing the parking that I've just purchased. Right. So trying to come up with the best and most effective way and use of this building. Well, as COVID hit, I mean, it just turned us on our heads. Mm. The plan that we had for the last two years um, 
went up in flames. <laughs> so um, that's when, you know, and I, I have to say I'm really proud. You just got to pivot. You got to find a way to um, see the problem in front of you and tackle it. And that's what I think my family and I are trying to do. But you're transforming the entire bottom floor yes. into something new. So we've just uh, eliminated the front portion of the building, which was built in 1947, uh -huh. I, I believe. Um, it had seen better days and it was ready to go. So a lot of that front area will be parking. Um, and even though parking sounds boring, it is Jake's Tex-Mex, so it won't be <laughs> there. We have a lot of surprises coming out the front of the building. Looking and, forward to yeah, it. Yeah, opportunities. We understand we're in an Instagram world these days, so. <laughs> um, we find it as a marketing opportunity, which we're sure. going to try to take advantage of. Downstairs, we're hoping to eventually put our to-go and uh, catering in the bottom floor here. And the option there was to eliminate um, what one building is doing mm -hmm. and taking some of the pressure off of it. Mm. So if I can take two of the main problems with space and I can put them here, then the restaurant can just take care of the restaurant. And hopefully we can provide a better dining and dine-in experience for the people who want to come and have a quick lunch or have a lunch meeting, either or. Um, we're trying to tackle both of those things. It sounds like just because you've been hit with COVID doesn't mean you're throwing up the white flag and, and giving up. Oh, heck no, that is not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more of a dig in my heels and, you know, uh, figure it out. My whole family is. My, my dad is that way as well. I just, this is a problem we can solve. If visionaries want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, well, you can get in touch with us a few ways. Obviously, we are on the uh, World Wide Web okay. uh, at jakestexmex.com, all uh -huh. one word. Uh, you can call the restaurant at any time. And what's um, the phone number? It's 661-322-6380. What was that? 661-322-6380. And how do they find you on the World Wide Web? Well, we are on Instagram and Facebook, both at jakestexmex. All one word. Sounds good. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the foundational methodologies that is used on a weekly basis on Saturdays, actually, <laughs> to make this a very strong and profitable business. Yes, I work Saturdays. <laughs> when we come right back. <laughs> In times like these, the sharp business owner knows that now is the time to invest in undervalued businesses to move their financial future forward. But how do you find the right business? How do you arrange financing? How do you analyze the prospective business financials and industry information to make the right decision? Do what the proud owners of the tire man have done. Turn to Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield CA and buy the undervalued business to move your financial future forward. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca today. We're here with Sarah Slayton Price, the CEO of Jake's Tex-Mex Restaurant, and you, born and raised in Bakersfield, yes. actively involved in volleyball yeah. since the dawn of time. Uh, pr pretty much. I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I started playing volleyball when I was 
10, 11 years old. Right. Um, got involved with that through club, which most parents out there know it's a year-long, uh, year-round. Bakersfield? I was at Kern River at the time, but okay. that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Again, showing my age. <laughs> um, but basically played all through high school, a very successful high school uh, volleyball career, and then took a scholarship to college and played in college. Mm -hmm. Then when I returned home, started coaching immediately. I haven't taken a break from it and I'll be 42 here so but you skipped over something very important mm. when you said that is you guys in high school were valley champions three years four all four years so I won valley championship all four years so there was definitely a feeling of championship mentality through your entire four-year term there yeah I mean we won we went to the state finals three years in a row. Uh, I have four Valley titles, two state titles in Division and Division Two and Division One. And then my senior year, we were named the number one team in the nation. Your success in high school, like you said, took you on a, a scholarship to Utah, mm -hmm. and you took the lessons, the championship mentality, to you to college. But then you came home. Yeah. And you started your career not in the restaurant. No, goodness no. I was uh, the marketing manager at Cal State Bakersfield for the athletic department. Uh -huh. Then I went out on my own and was a, um, a individual graphic designer. And you had no desire to be in the family business. No, wait. <laughs> I think my brothers, you know, we laugh about it a lot because we, you know, we watched our, how hard this business is and what my dad did our entire growing up. So right. we all resisted it. Right. For sure. The more you got away, the more they pulled you back in. You know, I think it was a mutual decision. I'm from a very creative family, and I knew the more I was doing projects with my mom and dad that it, we just, it seemed to work. Mm. Um, and uh, we don't come into working as a family naively. I mean, there are, is a lot of structure and communication that has to come into play in order to make it work because, you know, family businesses don't always work. Right. Um, but we're pretty cognizant of it. And so when uh, the opportunity came and after much discussion, it just was a natural flow and it seemed to fit my skill set. And that skill set is something that you learned from being championship volleyball mm -hmm. that you applied to the business. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I was done playing, well, first of all, I was a setter, so that's kind of like a quarterback on um, any volleyball team. Right. And then I immediately started coaching, and those lessons just carry over into this 100%. How so? Um, well, communication, mm. understanding how a team works, mm. um, knowing that not everyone on the team is going to be on the same page at all times, and how do you manage that? And, um, and how do you manage that? Well, a lot of discussion, okay. a lot of rule setting, mm. uh, and a lot of goal setting. Mm. So we have to understand that we're all on a ship together and it's got to go in the same direction. Um, and it doesn't always have to be pretty, but if someone stops rowing their oar in the boat, it's going to be rough. So um, trying to motivate a staff of 35, essentially, every day to make sure that we're all in this together and me included. Sure. They're not out there on their own, um, right. you know, and that's what team building's about. Part of that team mm -hmm. is what happens on Saturdays that we alluded to a little bit here. Yeah. And what is the primary, in your view, mm -hmm. the primary focus that you have as the CEO of the restaurant 
especially when it comes to the nuts and bolts and finances of making this business work? Well, I think there is a misconception. If you're in the restaurant business, you must be making hundreds of thousands of dollars, hands over fist, and right. that's just not the case. I thought you lived in the kitchen all the time. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, the bottom line is uh, numbers are the most important. Right. We have The business model doesn't make sense. A ridiculous amount of labor, a ridiculous amount of overhead. I mean, these aren't parts of a business plan that people go in, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Right. Um, so managing each one of those is imperative because our business works off two, three, four percent. Mm. It's that small. Wow. And if I screw that up, if I'm not on top of those percentages, if I'm not aware of what's coming in and out of my business, mm -hmm. we fail. One of our earlier guests was Jerry White with White Forest Nursery, and one of the things he was talking about was the importance, especially during this age of COVID, of having multiple vendors. And this is something that has also been very important for you and your business as well, and managing that two to three percent. How? Why is this such a significant part of your business? Well, two to three percent means uh, survival uh, mm. here, and it can change somebody who works for me's life. Mm. If I can save three percent and put it towards my um, labor, uh, you know, I can change somebody's opportunities here, which is what we want to do. We want to build a family. Mm. But in order to do that, I have to do my job. Mm. So on Saturdays, I do what's called a weekly snapshot. Essentially, I take all of my bills from the week. I look at my food costs. I look at my restaurant costs. And then I try to see how I performed mm. as the CEO and the buyer and doing the inventory and all the fun stuff. Every Saturday, basically like a little game right, that sure. I'm always trying to win. Who's got the cheapest salt? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I think some restaurants, at least in my experience, they get into this relationship with one purveyor. And um, I'm lucky enough to have five to six purveyors who oh, I... What's a purveyor? Um, uh, people that I buy my goods from. Okay. 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 So um, those providers, mm -hmm. essentially, um, then get me their pricing on Saturdays. And I go through and I look at... We are always looking at quality first mm -hmm. and then price second um, but if I can save or shave off two or three percent a week boy I feel like I am winning you also in the process of doing this have a sign on your desk <laughs> that I love and it's it's very deep it's very insightful oh, yes it's and it's nope <laughs> yeah why do you have this on your desk well it's a for a couple reasons, I think it's a reminder. I think most people who know me are cracking up right now because they know that's pretty synonymous with me. Okay. Um, I just, I'm a nuts and bolts kind of gal. Mm. Uh, there isn't a lot of fluff with me. So it's a yep or a nope. Mm. And uh, I've been trying really hard in the last decade um, maybe to soften a little bit, but also to say no when no deserves to be said. Mm -hmm. um, can't say yes to everything, even if you want to. Um, and I try really hard to do everything I can, especially for the community. I don't know, we don't have an advertising budget. Mm -hmm. I take that money that we would normally spend in advertising and we give back nice. to the community. Hmm. Um, and so I've always tried to donate as much as I could. Um, the entire It's been my philosophy from the beginning. Um, especially for Bakersfield. You give right. back to Bakersfield. They give you back in spades. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're amazing community, but um, I've had to get better at the nopes and then how I resonate with the nopes at the end of the day. 
That's something that's very key. And last week our guest was David Dobbs, and he talked about, he also gives very much to the community. Yeah. And he was talking about... He does his, a lot. Exactly. And he was talking about his barometer and how he determines how much money he gives back to the community. And since this is your principal form of advertising... It is. What are the guideposts of, of your, or what are the signposts that you guys use to determine what, who you give to, how much you give to, you know, and how often, how frequently, how much, and that sort of thing. Well, we're first of all, donation requests are are extensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, at one point uh, before COVID hit, I was probably receiving 100 to 200 letters a week asking mm -hmm. for things right. because everyone's in need, and I completely understand that. Right. I think what we try to do is look at the overall goal of why someone's trying to raise the funds, what the event is for, mm -hmm. and whether or not that aligns with our beliefs. In terms of, you know, we, we give to the American Cancer Society, um, we try really hard for local businesses that are running their own, uh, they can put together a festival or a sponsorship or something that they've really grassrooted. Mm -hmm. We'd love to be part of that, um, just because it keeps it in the community. So we try really hard there. I try to say yes to the things that I know um, will make a difference. Well, when we come back, we're going to have some more fun with Nope. <laughs> and we're also going to get more into the philosophy, but also what makes Nope work <laughs> when we come right back. Can you believe our 100th episode is right around the corner? Neither can I, but who would you like to see as our guest here on Small Business Celebration's 100th episode? Well, if you've got a thought, leave their name in the comment section below and your guest of your choice could be here on Small Business Celebration for our 100th episode. So leave your thoughts in the comment section below and who knows, your guest could be our guest here on Small Business Celebration's 100th episode. We're here with Sarah Slayton Price, the CEO of Jake's Tex Mex, and who's Doug? Oh, uh, Doug <laughs> is my very spoiled six year old Great Dane. Not Douglas. No, only when he's in trouble. His name's Doug. First of all, why a Great Dane? Well, I'm, for, I'm an animal lover, okay. so is my husband. We've always had large dogs. Mm -hmm. That's part of uh, who we are. We're not a small dog house. No offense to the small dog owners. <laughs> um, and uh, when we started researching the breed, it just fit our lifestyle. Mm. They're pretty low energy. They love to be around people. Mm -hmm. They're actually great apartment dogs. So they like to curl up in your lap? They love to curl up in your lap, sleep in the bed with you, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. But their personality are what resonated. We have mm. a lot of little kids in our life. I have a lot mm. of nieces and nephews. So never have to worry. They could climb all over and make could care less. The horse enjoys being ridden. Yes, exactly. <laughs> totally. What have you learned from Doug that applies to your business? Oh, goodness, to let it go. Okay, probably. how so? How so? How so? Uh, nothing bothers Doug. Okay. And I, I probably aspire to be just like Doug. Okay. I would love for nothing to bother me. For example, what are some of the things that Doug has done that you've gone, really? <laughs> I, I could never do that. My Great Dane? Your Great Dane. Oh, my goodness. Everything. He has to make friends with everyone. Uh, he's the ambassador of my cul-de-sac. Okay. I love that personality trait. I would love to be a little more approachable. Uh -huh. And um, I think uh, just sloughing it off at the end of the day and sleeping like a baby. I wish I could do that. 
you've taken these, some of these lessons that you have learned from your father. A lot, mostly. You've taken the lessons you learned from being in volleyball. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, you've taken lessons from Doug. <laughs> I will never admit it to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a shock to anybody who knows me. I'm the lead follower get of the way. Right. Um, it is, I just... Staying stagnant is never who I've been, and mm. I have no problem if you want to lead the way, but if you don't, get out of my way, because we're moving forward. And yet, something along the way has happened where you said, you know, I think I should not quite be the bulldozer going through the front of the building. Right. And, and how have you learned to, to tether some of that bullishness out, you know, unrein it back a little bit? Well, I think it doesn't work. And you have to be empathetic to every situation you're mm. in and understand what you can give to it and how you affect people. Mm. Bullishness doesn't work long term if you want to get the most out of everyone around you. Mm. And sometimes you have to let other people take the lead. Um, I try really hard with my staff and my management staff that when there are suggestions and they want to take the lead on something. And If it fails, it fails. We work it out together. Mm. Um, and if they succeed, it's a success that they had. And that's fantastic. So uh, I would say there's always time to lead, but there is some time to really listen. And I think I've gotten a lot better at that. Do you still have that situation from time to time where you're there in the restaurant and you see an employee doing something and you, you've seen this movie before, you know how it's going to end. And yet, and I see you holding back your notes on the, on the desk and you know how this is going to end. And yet you have to let it play out. Yeah, for sure. Cause they, they, they don't learn otherwise. Mm. I'm, I'm, I can, can't fix everything. And I have a phenomenal staff. And most of that is because I have some that have been with us for 15, 16. Our kitchen manager has been with my family for 30 years. I mean, uh, those are experience and lessons that have to be valued. And right. uh, I can't, I'm not here to fix everything. I'm here to manage it and make it the best possible environment it can be. Um, do we always get it right? No. But we try really hard. Mm -hmm. to do it better most days. You're also, like a lot of business owners, successful business owners, a reader. I am. I love to read. You are a member of a book club. I am. My book club girls, shout out. Nice. Six years. <laughs> very good, very good. What is a, what is one of your favorite books that you read to enjoy, but now you, you recommend to everybody? A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towles. Okay, what's it's, it about? It's um, during the Bolshevik era uh, about a- In Russia? In Russia, mm -hmm. about a gentleman who basically has been um, charged with treason and his charge is to live in a hotel for the rest of his life. And why was he charged with treason? Um, because he was talking out against the uh, regime that was in power at the time. And worse yet, he was royalty. He was, he was royalty and that was a big no-no. Right. With lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> and his, that could be taken from him. <laughs> and his prison sentence was to spend the rest of his life... In this hotel. And... And he couldn't leave mm -hmm. uh, and basically had to adapt. Mm. So finding a way to adapt, spending your life uh, basically on home imprisonment, mm. but in a hotel with the amenities a hotel has to offer. Um, and then ended up working as a waiter in its very esteemed restaurant, um, creating relationships with the people there who work there. Um, it's really, it's a, it's a wonderful book. And you touched on the key theme 
Adaptability. Adaptability. Why is this such an important thing? Uh, restaurant business, you don't adapt, you die. I mean, there's mm -hmm. just no... I, the tweaks that are made on a daily basis in order to adhere to the ever-changing situation, mm -hmm. um, like you said, pandemic has really put us into a recession. If you want to call it more than that, you can. Um, and trying to navigate that, I just, it gives you a sense of strength. Mm. Um, if I can adapt around this, if my family and I can adapt around this, if my staff can adapt around the times that are, we're faced with right now, just you got to believe that you can do anything. And you bring up something very key, is you're not the bull in the china shop. No, I hope not. We try not to be. Because you're looking for adaptability from a lot of other sources. There's no way in this environment when you're being thrown a new rule every day, mm. uh, a new payment, a new tax payment. There's all sorts of things that come at us. To um, not have the ability to adapt and pivot, mm. you just, it's, um, I don't, it's hard to explain the, the things we're dealing with now. Right. But I really believe we're going to make it through. What is one thing that Visioneer Nation could do today to grow a strong and profitable business? Well, I'd say if you're going to get started with a business, to start small. And if you have already have an existing business? Buy your building. Oh, why so? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. If you have the opportunity, and I am lucky enough to be, again, second generation, where my dad had the vision and the opportunity was presented to buy our land. Mm. Um, you're, you're always uh, in charge of your domain. Mm. Uh, no one's going to kick you out. No one's going to raise your rent. Um, and you have a fixed cost on something that you can then adapt when times like this are coming. Like you're doing downstairs. Like we're doing downstairs. I know that that's not um, a capable achievement for everyone. I know that sometimes people don't have the option to purchase their land. Um, but if, you ha if you're new and you're just getting started, start small. If you're in the restaurant business, start with a limited menu. Mm. And if you have an opportunity to purchase where you're at, do it. Make the investment. If visioneers want to get, uh, get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, they can get in, in touch with me online at jakestexmex.com, or they can call the restaurant anytime. I'm here every day, 661-322-6380. And if they want to find you online, how do they do that? Uh, Instagram and Facebook at Jake's Tex-Mex. Well, Sarah, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for being on Small Business Celebration. It's been a real treat. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. In times like these, the sharp business owner knows that now is the time to invest in undervalued businesses to move their financial future forward. How do you find the right business? How do you arrange financing? How do you analyze the prospective business financials and industry information to make the right decision? Do what the proud owners of the Tire Man have done. Turn to Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield ca and buy the undervalued business to move your financial future forward. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca today. Who is a visioneer? 
A visioneer is a business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in the business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe with Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. is a visioneer. A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is but as it could be and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.